Welcome. This is Efrat Sabalovsky from Why You Connects, happy to introduce Candidate, a candid conversation about today's dating life with experienced guests. Our wonderful host this evening is Rabbi Shmuel Ismach, Rabbi of Young Israel of Great Neck and Rebbe in the Stone Base Medrash program at Yeshiva University. This podcast is anonymously sponsored with Eloy Nishmas Chano Chaim Ben Yako HaKohen. Hello and welcome to Candidate, a candid conversation about dating and relationships with experts in the field. My name is Shmuel Ismach, Rabbi at the Young Israel of Great Neck and a Rebbe at the SBMP program at Yeshiva University, and I'll be your host. With me today, is Charlie Harari. Charlie needs no introduction, well-known on the public speaking circuit. And once we're on the topic of podcasts, you're listening to this one, please go and take a look at his Unlocking Greatness podcast available wherever you listen to your podcast. So Charlie, we're here today to talk about something that hopefully this conversation should go easy. And the fundamental practice that exists when anybody goes out on a date, two people get together, and maybe they go for dinner, or they go for a Diet Coke in a hotel lobby, I guess that's still a thing. So they sit down to talk. And that conversation sometimes could be a little bit forced. So what we're going to talk about today is, I guess, the skills involved in creating conversation, maintaining conversation, and avoiding the dreaded Mm-hmm. Awkward silence. That's terrible for radio, for sure. Terrible for mm-hmm. podcasts. And mm-hmm. the question is, I guess, how terrible that is for dates. So to begin, what do you think are some of the basic principles for maintaining conversation with somebody, particularly someone who you've never met? So Rabbi, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for having me on this incredibly important podcast. Conversationalism is the world. It's an ocean. There's so much to discuss. Depending on how deep we want to go, it really cuts to really the core of who we are. It brings up things inside us that we otherwise don't have to bring up because we're interacting with somebody else, especially someone who's not comfortable with just yet. So we'll talk about it from different angles. I want to just sort of get to some like practical tips to start with, and then we delve into why those work or not. I think the best advice, I think, I don't remember where I read this. I'm almost certain it was from Dale Carnegie a million years ago. But since then, I've seen it in other places in that the real secret to conversationalism is where you are focused. People make a mistake in thinking that if I want to impress somebody else, the way I impress somebody else is when I show myself to them. You're waiting when you talk to somebody to speak about yourself. It's couched differently. It's couched with, I do this, but sometimes people say it like in very sort of like, I know people always tell me that I'm really smart, but I'm just regular, you know, that type of stuff. We're trying to impress somebody. If you're on a date, it's normal and natural, especially if the date's going well, that you want the other person to be impressed with you. And so what ends up happening is the conversation ends up being about you. And the other person is talking about themselves. And you're just trying to like sort of align it where there's like a flow between things that you like, places you've been to, things that interest you, and things that interest the other person. And you're trying to see like where me and my sort of force field and you and your sort of force field sort of aligns. And if we have lots of stuff that we align to, like it's going great. Well, like, so like, when you're, like you're talking and you say, oh, did you say summer? Oh, because last summer, I happen to win the, uh, the right. award, right? Like, you know, that's right, 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 exactly. Like I went to this camp. Oh, I went to this camp. I went to this person. Oh, I know this person. Really? Where did you, where did you, where did you? And then the conversation is basically like, this is me. That's you. Let's see if we can like somehow connect the dot between what I am and what you are. And that's like, I would say level one conversation. 
And here's where a lot of people get met really true. They think that people are great conversation. Let's just keep on talking. Right. So like someone walks in is totally oblivious to any awkwardness and is like, hey, how are you? What's your name? OK, well, that's amazing. Well, I got to tell you. So last year I went to Israel and I was there and it was unbelievable. And I went to the Kotel. Then I went to Maris Machpelah and I almost, you know, I jumped out of a plane. And meanwhile, the other person's like, I also went to Maris. And then like they talk about that. And like the person who is leading the conversation has so much to say. And everyone's like, wow, he's so charismatic. And she's so it's so one. And the truth is, that's not really what we would call a conversation. That's sort of more of like maybe a soliloquy or like somebody's just sort of pontificating, another person's sort of like ping-ponging back. And then if you're in the situation where the other person doesn't have those connection points, it's awkward, right? So if you can't come up with something that is at least on the surface, potentially connecting, you're like, so in Sheer today, the Rebbe was talking about this great, and she's like, nah, I, I know what you're talking about. And she's like, well, I can tell you this great stuff. And he's like, nah, I'm not familiar with that. And now it's awkward. You know why? Because my life isn't connected to your life. That's what most people think are awkward, which is why we want to date people that are like us, which is why if we play Jewish geography, we feel better about ourselves, which is why like half an hour into a date, if we've like made some basic connections, we're like, this is going really well. That's why people leave dates, by the way. And one party's like, that was amazing. The other party was like, that was terrible. You're like, what do you mean? Like, because the other person spoke the entire time about himself. Like I could barely breathe. And the person's like, wow, really? I think I nailed that one. <laughs> Got it. So what is conversation? Really? It's my ability to try to discover something deeper than the surface to the person that's sitting in front of me. That is the essence of a conversation. You are sitting across from me and you are beyond just a couple of things that you put on a resume and a couple of things that we float around as who we are when it's not who we really are. And if I'm going to actually date you, which means I'm going to live with you, which means at some point I'm going to see beyond the surface. What I'd like to do in a most, in a normal way without being too intrusive is get to know you, which means I want to understand who you are, what you like, what you care about. I want to get to know you, not the Lavush called you. I can start with the lavush. We can create connections. We can figure out where we are similar. But at the end of the day, my job is to be curious about you because you're a Tzalem and you may be my spouse. And I want to know if it's even worth that. So let me be positively, appropriately curious to you. So what did you like about that? What was it about that? Yeah, I love that part. What did you like? And you're asking sort of normal questions about, it's not like an awkward, like, okay, so in six years from now, like, are you going to want to like, you know, how many kids? What would you name the second one? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Like, no, what do you so, mean? I just asked about her. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so what if in five years I got a job to go to the moon? Would you come or would you not come? Wait, I'm asking the question that is the deeper approach to the thing that you already said. Right. Meaning it's not, it's not a Google interview. I'm not trying to figure out hypotheticals and how you'd answer and how smart right. you are and what would be in the future. A test. It's just curiosity. I just want to learn yeah. more about you. And I just want to go what we call plus one. You take me one level. I just want to ask the question on the next level. Not because I actually want to know. Even if I don't date, even if I don't marry you for the next half an hour, hour, two hours, you're the most important person in my life because you're sitting in front of me. I'm not picturing the five girls behind, the five guys behind. I really should be dating. This is what I got in this world. I've got the two of us for X amount of time that we have together. And I'm curious. So I'm going to ask you what we call plus one questions. When you say something, I'm going to think about what you said. I'm not going to wait till you're done so that I can show you how great I am. 
And I'm going to ask something that is a little bit beyond that which you said already in order to get to know you a little bit better. Now, here's the trick. When you care about somebody else and you want to really find out about them and you're really curious about their life, two things happen. One, they're actually more interesting because you know your life and you've told your story and you know how it's going to go because you were there at camp. And as much as you try to impress people, it's not that impressive. But when you get to know somebody else, it's actually much more interesting. You know why? Because you don't know the other person yet. So your brain is like, hey, that's new. So you actually enjoy the conversation because it's new. It's not your thinking. And the other person feels that someone is actually paying attention. They also enjoy it more. So this weird thing happens. You actually ingratiate yourself more with the person when you think about them than when you talk about yourself. Meaning people feel that they were listened to. They feel like this person had an interest in learning about them intimately. And that, you think, fosters a closeness in the relationship, which is beyond the conversation, beyond the information that was shared. It's sort of like an intimacy that they yeah. now have between each other. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Let's go one step deeper now. Words are really just their articulations of something, right? Words are articulations of thought. So if you almost like can picture it, like oh, the word is like the lavush, if you will the garment, and the thought is what's in the panimi. The thoughts are what's on the inside. So if you can almost picture words as like packages, right? It really packages a thought, but thought isn't the word, right? You know, when you think, you're not, you don't think the entire word out articulately. Think about when you think. You also think with emotion. Thought carries emotion to it. When you speak with somebody, what you don't realize you're doing is you're actually transferring emotion over. There's a concept called dvarim hayotzim in halev, nasim halev. How is that possible? How does that work? What do you stand by somebody and you just like position your heart across from someone else's heart? Like, what does that even mean? What it means is when I care about a person and I speak to the person, they don't just hear words, their brain and neshama unpackages the words. And what it feels like is care. If I don't care about a person and say the exact same words, they're not processing it consciously. They just feel like the person across me doesn't like me. I walk into a date and what I'm thinking is, I'm so much better than this person. I'm so much more interesting than this person. Whatever, I'll sit through it. You know what the person's thinking? I don't know why it feels this way, but like this just feels off. The conversation you're having on multiple levels, the level that you want to be playing at is the level of the subconscious. So the level of the emotion or the level, let's just say for this term, although it's not exactly accurate, the soul. If you're talking to someone that you're dating, you don't want to be having a surface conversation. You want to be sharing general interest in somebody. And when somebody feels that from you, what they feel is something much different. So they walk away from the date and someone will be like, how'd that go? And they'll go, oh, really well. And you go, what'd you guys talk about? You know what they'll say usually? Nothing. I don't know. I mean, you don't know. Like what part did you like? Usually the best dates are when someone walks in and goes, what part did you like when he, when he said that? And, he's, and usually it's like, I don't remember. I don't remember what we spoke about, but like, it was really good. What made it good? You know what made it good? Because the words were just a lavish for something much deeper. Interesting. So even the chit chat, the, the 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 nonsense, the things that you talk about about your day, which are unremarkable, not the most important moments and events that occurred in my life when I share them because you asked me to share them, because you were interested in them, and that interest you think is that sort of emotional investment that I feel that elevates the relationship. 
fascinating. So there's a lot to this and we could probably have a lot of fun, like pretending that we're on some sort of date. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll, maybe we'll, like, we'll stop short of that. <laughs> let's talk about like the taboo topics. Are there topics that should be avoided when you're talking to somebody, somebody that you just met? Is this the type of thing that develops over the course of a relationship? Are there things like that should be avoided at all? Like, what do you think about that? That's a good question. I don't think there's a general rule. I think each conversation is different. Listen, I think the concept of sneeze doesn't apply in what you wear. I think sneeze is probably much bigger in what you say. And the idea that your mouth is a cleave for bracha and a mouth of a cleave for kedusha is a big deal. So just the idea that the person in front of you is worthy of a certain level of conversation, I think it's super important. I think what's critical really is the conversation doesn't have to be about anything in particular. I think where people make a mistake is... Again, even in the level, I don't know what number date, so to speak, but I've gotten questions from people that are like super type A or like seem to think like there's like a line of people behind the person they're dating. You know, that feeling of like there's somehow factory eyesing them and like they're just sort of like. And they can't wait, wait to say like next. Yeah. Yeah. Like this sort of like feeling of like they're postling before, you know what I'm saying? Like right. you're there and like they're already postling like, nah, it's not going to work because I saw that when I said I wanted to do something, there was like a twinkle and I don't like that twinkle. If the twinkle, I know the look I know, next. Like I think that way. Or there's a sense of I'm better, or I can, if you want to get a little deeper here, there's a sense of I'm not enough. That's a bigger issue of I'm not enough. So I got to project being enough. I got to project being more than I am. Now, there is a sense of getting dressed up and saying, there's a concept like that in dating where there's a gap of who you are and how nice you want to look. People, I think, don't appreciate as much. It's this in a lot of different areas in life. Authenticity is and what vulnerability is. It's an unbelievable glue when you i don't mean like if you like wearing sweatpants you roll in sweatpants like i'm not saying that and i'm not saying that like the person in front of you shouldn't be treated like a real person and i do maybe i'm a little old school i do believe in the whole chivalry stuff that's just my own personal opinion i'm not posking shilas i'm just telling you i personally believe in that but i think we're most people myself included in a lot of different ways we get very good at projecting things that aren't 100% true, at projecting a level of who we are that isn't exactly accurate. And we like to gloss over and plasticize ourselves a little bit. And the world sort of tells us that a little bit. And especially if you're competing, and especially if you're in this world where you're moving through people quicker or whatever. And we forget that sometimes a little bit of being real goes a very long way. And just being generally interested in the person in front of you in their normal life in a very real way is very, very endearing. The reason I think that's so wonderful to hear for young couples who are beginning this is because we're told very often that to create this bond and intimacy in a relationship, you sort of have to divulge. You have to open up. You have to share. And that sounds like it's sort of volunteer work where I just out of nowhere say, by the way, you'll never believe what happened to me when I was in fifth grade. It was the craziest thing. My Rebbe patched me and something like that. But really, I guess the higher level of that is when the other person draws that out because then it's not just I'm vulnerable, but it's that you are interested in having me become vulnerable. And that to me is, I guess, reassuring. I feel a little bit more taken care of. This is not just thrown out into the other and to see whether or not you accept it, you sort of drew it out. That seems to be like a much more natural way to do it. So let me just ask you, like for people who have a hard time with this, and I do think people have a hard time just thinking in the spot, they're maybe a little bit anxious. 
How concerned should they be about the awkward silence? Is there a great tactic or something which to fill it? Is there, would you be your advice be for somebody who has a harder time coming up with those questions in the moment, those plus one sort of next questions? Yeah, so I'll answer it in two ways. Number one, usually awkward silence comes when you're thinking about what to say. Usually when you are interested in somebody else and you're just sort of in their space, trying to understand them better, there's a lot less awkward silence. If you're on stage, you feel awkward sometimes because you're on stage when really it's about the other person. If you're really in the place of empathy and trying to really just be in someone else's world, if you're trying to get into someone else's world and understand them and not in a way that's judging them, this is what I'm, this is in a way that like, I feel like dating, everything that feels normal about dating is like abnormal. Like I would say the like, meaning it's normal to think that, no, I got to judge the person. That's a normal thing to do. I'm dating you. I got to ascertain your qualities. It's, but that doesn't work. It's a crazy every, concept. The way it works is every date is a one episode reality TV yeah. show. Yeah. And not only that, but even this whole Bashir thing, I think has gone a little bit awry. Like it's like a tough kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, as if like, we're like fishing, what's my tough kid? Like, as if like one day, you know, we're going to get to shine and be like, well, everything you did in your life was worthless. And then like, there's one, maybe that'll happen, but like, you have no idea. You know, what your tough kid is usually when we wake up, your tough kid is chakras. Usually, you know what I'm saying? And then usually your tough kid is what's in front of you right now is your tough kid. What's in front of you right now is your potential Bashir. Like this concept of like, I'm trying to figure out if, you're out. You're out. You're just trying to be in her space or in his space and get to know them. It's not like I have to get it done or else, listen, maybe afterwards when you're back in your room or you're back on the way home or you're walking, of course you can get into the world of analysis. Of course you can think, is it Shaykh? The Seder. But when you're in the zone, what you're thinking is, how do I get into someone else's space? And when you get into someone else's space, in a real way, there's a lot less awkward silences. And if you're interested, the second thing I would say to you is, I got advice from a good friend of mine, Uri Schneider, maybe like 20 years ago, I was giving a shear in my house and there was like 15 guys in, and I had forgotten what I had to say. And there was like 15 guys in the room and I paused to like think. And I was so embarrassed that I just like jumped into the next thing and I just kept on talking. And the thing was over. And Uri said to me, like, he's, I don't know if you know Uri Schneider. He's a very attuned, sensitive, amazing guy. He lives in Rapid Shemesh. Now he lived in Queens with me. He picked up on it. Like, he was able to, like, pick up on. He said, what happened? I said, it was that pause. He said, that pause was the sweetest part of the speech. I'm like, what are you, t- what are you talking about? He's like, you may feel awkward, but we don't feel awkward. There's nothing wrong with silence. Why is silence a worse sound than speech? It's because we're like, we got to be, I got to get, get. Relax. Silence is a state of control. And I got to tell you, when I watch speakers sometimes and I try to judge great speakers, and this is like, and you know, I know you know this because I know because of who you are. Some of the greatest speakers, their greatness comes out in part by their silence. They stand behind the podium and they let it hang. They're not in a rush. They're not running. They don't need you. They're not like, relax. It's not only for dramatic effect. You not know? Tra- no, it's not dramatic at all. It's, it's just for... Con- because I had a Rebbe once, and this is, this is like uncanny. In Israel, he would give a vad in a machsan in the basement, and he'd have like 10 guys sitting around the table. 
and somebody would ask the question, right? Well, what's the question that the is going to be about? He would stare through the table and we would just look around like a giggling, but we can't giggle because we're in front of the Rebbe. We didn't know what to do. It literally felt like 20 minutes, but probably like four minutes. The most, yeah, about that. The most uncomfortable four minutes of yeah. our entire yeah. life. Yeah. And then he would give like this beautifully constructed answer to whatever the question was, three approaches. And they're like, wow, amazing. How do you do it? And so that thought process, I know you read it, Rav Moshe Weinberger, he does this a lot. I remember he was one of the first speakers that I ever noticed who has sort of moments of silence up there in the pulpit where godless it's a pregnant silence. Yeah, it's a pregnant silence. And it doesn't take, you're sitting across the table from somebody and there's a moment of silence. That's fine. You know what? This is, let's get a little, let's get a leap here. If you hold that conversation is just by words, then therefore you got a problem. But if you hold that conversation is really the package, the lavush of emotion, then what's the difference? Emotion can still be pouring through even without words. So you can be sitting across the table from somebody and for a moment have nothing to say. And your gestalt is we're good. And it can be totally good. And you can be talking And the feeling is, yeah, I don't know where we're going. This is ridiculous. And it's totally ridiculous. It's all based on this concept of, am I enough? If we walk in with, I'm not enough. She's not enough. I'm not enough. She's not enough. Is this enough? Is this enough? Is she enough? Is this enough? Is this right? Is this right? Is this right? Forget it. And this is what a moon and bitachon is all about. If we're in a place of, the Abishtah brought me a person to date. And I've allotted X time for this date. As far as I'm concerned, the entire world just shut down for this period of time. Is it too much? Is it too little? I got to make the chashbonus before I walk in. Right now, I'm right here. And the Kurdish who wants me to be here. Will this be my one? Will I be wasting my time? That's like asking, like, should I waste my time going to school? Will the thing that I learned in sophomore year help me in my life? Who knows? I'm here. So my job from here is to be a really good person. And my job from here is to be able to be a no-sane in my attention and in my care to the person before me. If that's how you walk into a date, I have the opportunity to give to somebody my attention and my care and my concern. Your whole date's going to be different. Your whole conversation is going to be different. Your whole siyata deshmai is going to be different. The entire experience of dating is going to be different. You don't waste your dates. Each human being you meet was meant, was sent to you for a reason. And a lot of what ends up happening, which is the tightness and the trying to control and all that stuff that sends away the Yat Dishmai that we need in dating, sort of starts to melt away. And then the conversation changes. Okay. So now you have people who are probably, sometimes they're uncomfortable raising a topic. And this is, I guess, is in the more advanced stages of dating. Like I remember when I was, there were two funny things. I remember, I've heard it doesn't happen so much anymore. The first phone call. Do you remember that thing? There was such I a do. thing. Is that, yeah. I don't know if that's still a thing. I probably should as the host of this podcast. No, but that, that first phone call was like torture, right? For some people, it was the absolute worst. And then there was the fifth date in my time. There was a fifth date or something. But then you had to like talk a little bit of talkless and, and try to figure out where we're at. So at that point, you sort of, you might need to initiate vulnerability and sort of any tips for how people can put themselves out there just by asking a question of another person, which the implication is, oh, you're asking that already? What does that mean for this relationship? Like, it's a hard thing. And people sometimes feel like the questions that they're asking imply something. So is there any great technique to be able to sort of progress the conversation into a, a deeper space and more intimate sort of question? Any tips for that if the conversation didn't get there yet? 
It's funny. I didn't have the fifth date thing, but I did have the first phone call thing. I don't know when the date started to become real. I don't remember that period. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't think it happened on my fifth either. I don't, I don't remember. But, I but maybe now. I don't know. I mean, yeah. maybe, uh, maybe going on now. So usually a great technique to deliver deeper messages I learned from Noah Weinberg. Noah Weinberg, the Rosh Hashiva of Eish This is for those who are dating or speaking, this is like gold. He gives a speech over about this, and he explains that one of the greatest speakers of all time was Nassan Hanavi, right? Remember, Nassan Hanavi had to deliver the most difficult message maybe in history. He had to tell Melech HaMashiach that he sinned. Now it's easy for us because we're just reading the story. You know what I'm saying? Like, David HaMelech, right? With all of his glory, Nassan had to show up and tell him. So remember the story, right? He tells about the story, about the guy and the calf, and the right, there's one, a lot. Everyone knows the Misa. So he tells this whole mice, and it's so beautiful and dramatic. But he has the animal, his mom is like a, in the bed. And someone comes in and takes it, and David Amelach is like, what? And then he gives the nimshal of Batsheva, and David's like, chatasi lashem, delivered to perfection. Rav Noach says, if you ever want to deliver something of depth to somebody in a way that's uncomfortable, use a straw man. Use a straw man. You want to tell over a musu to somebody? Don't just go after them. Tell a story. And let them both look at the story together. Have a conversation about the story. I don't know which date it is. And it could be that maybe I'm a little old school on this. Like, I think sometimes in dating, when you pass a marker that you're supposed to pass, but you're not ready to pass and you force it, I don't know if that's the right move. Like, it's okay if the first conversation bombs, because not every first conversation has got to be amazing. And if it's okay that, and I know you're saying this too, but just to be clear, it's okay that if you're date number X and your friend was on that date number X and they're already talking about, you know, what's their second home going to be? Like, it could be that in this date, it's just not the person in front of you. I don't know if there's a magic. And I know, listen, if Sadik says so, then go with it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, nobody. But typically, I think each relationship blossoms in the way that relationship blossoms. But a way to bring up uncomfortable things is through stories. Stories of friends of yours that happened. Stories of situations that happened in your life or your family's life or your friend's life. So that you can have a conversation about something as a way to get someone to opine on something without having to sit and go, okay, now we're going to talk about this. Tell me how scoffically where you land in what sheer you're in so that I can put you into the box that you're in. And now I can judge you. And the reason is because most people don't fit into any box. And usually when you're both of you are looking at a situation and talking about it, you are able to bring out the nuance of your perspectives that may not have come out when someone comes at you with the same question. And so what ends up happening is when you're dating, you're aware of scenarios and you have people around you that are living lives that you may like and want to live like. And you bringing up those lives and you bringing up things that you want and you bringing up things that they went through. Bringing up stories and straw men are very subtle ways to allow conversations to go deeper and allow the person in front of you to opine on things in ways that allow you to see them in the fullest picture versus in a much more like defensive posture that almost always has some kind of like canned answer. Like now we have like these like um, modern orthodox ish, shivish ish, like, you know, that we have like these terms that like, I got to put myself in some box. So like, and now we have it down. I do this, but I wear this and I go here, but I go there. Right. It's like a Starbucks order. 
Yeah. Right. Or, and we're trying. It's I'm not blaming anybody. Like we're trying to find a way. Like I love in Israel that like every type of Jew's got a different tag. Like I happen to love that. Like they, everyone has like a term for like I used to be from. I am from. I'm like that Tilu me. I'm like that T Yeshivish. I go to the army. Like because Israelis are Jews and Jews are smart. Like and everyone has like a way, you know. And it's very sweet, but it's also very not a hundred percent accurate. And when you're on a date, you don't want somebody spitting back some canned answer that doesn't fully represent them so that you can go back and see if the canned answer matches your canned answer. Because a lot of people, and I can tell you from my own experience in life, I went to Queens College. I went to Shayashuv. My wife was in Stern. I wasn't in the right why you sheer. Like so many things didn't line up, but I guess we went out on dates and like we just sort of like figured stuff out. There's so many people that I know that don't line up naturally with the person that they're married to. It's important to designate, to be able to bifurcate people that aren't shayach, fine. But if you happen to be in front of somebody, you want to always be delving towards richer topics. Because when you have deeper conversations, you learn much more about the human being than the stuff that we tend to say. The right. canned answers. Yeah. You're sort of uh, asking for a friend. You know, that's the, you're trying to figure yeah. out the yeah. the metaphor that'll work, the scenario that'll tease out the information that you're looking for, the hashkafic situation. Oh, this happened to me then. What do you think about that? But really, it's about trying to figure out information in, in the present. That's really interesting. Okay, so like, this is really great. And this was a great conversation. And I feel like, I, I mean, I was doing all the questions, but I guess it's an interview. So thankfully, I probably failed uh, the dating expectations. But is there anything else that you think you'd like to share? Any closing ideas? Or I, maybe the last question should be, how does the conversation end? <laughs> Yeah, usually the convert, you know, there's, there's a rule that Syrians have their own way of ending aliyahs. Uh, if you dive like in a real Syrian shul. And so I was explained by Rabbi Beta. He said to me once, every ending of an aliyah has to end off on a positive. You always end up. So even if like, so they end wherever they end. Usually every date should end up and you should be ending by wishing the person well, no matter what's happening. And you don't have to say like a bracha, but like your brain should be thinking that. I want to just end with the following. Nina Butler, if you know Nina Butler, she's this incredible mashpia from Pittsburgh. When I was dating, she said to me, she gave me a bracha that you should enjoy the dating process. And I thought that was a very weird bracha. People don't necessarily enjoy dating. They find it to be a necessary evil of what we got to go through to find the one. The mating ritual, the difficulty of the first date mating ritual. Yeah, yeah. Sure. and there's a lot of challenges and no one's thinking for a second that like it's no one's saying like back in the old day, like no one's saying that. And there's challenges, there's challenges. But the best advice that I got, I, I don't know if it's, I think is true, is that enjoy the process because Babish is just putting you through it. And the greatest measure of success comes through Simcha because Simcha is the litmus test to Amunah. If you really believed in the Kodesh Baruch Hu strong, that he'd want you where you are, and he gave you the tafkit to be in this date, you do it besimcha. You would do it besimcha. And if you do it besimcha, simcha brings bracha. And so even though dating can get challenging, and I don't want to minimize the challenges for people that are going through it, especially those that are going through it for a while, the process the Kodesh Baruch Hu puts you in, if you infuse not just Amuna, because there's a lot of Amuna in dating, I find people are, are really are, are working strongly in the moon of dating and they know it. I find people more and more know that I don't know who's going to be, where it comes from. It's simcha. I'm sitting in front of somebody who's another human being. 
it's going to be for my benefit to get to know them, even if I don't end up marrying them, because they're another human being. And I don't know if maybe my daughter is going to be just like them. And knowing a little bit about them is going to help me a better father. Maybe my sister-in-law, maybe I'm going to be a mashpia one day. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're going to give me an insight about life. Maybe I have no idea why the Kurdish Baruch Hu puts this person in front of me, but I'm here. And this person is the only person in the world. There's no line behind them. And I don't even know this person based on my seichel, this person's my basher. If I think that my seichel is going to figure out my basher, that's like saying, I think my seichel is figuring out my tafkid. I got to relax a drop. What I got to do is my tafkid, which is be all in on this date. After the date's over at night, my chaver, my rebbe, I can talk it through. But right now where I am, no judging, no running, I'm all in. And if we had that perspective, I think the dates would be so much more meaningful. I think the connections would be so much deeper. And I think we'd enjoy the process. And I think we'd give the Abish to more, more nachas. And what's more important than that? Beautiful, beautiful. What a positive way to end. What a, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, Syrian. I'm exactly, Syrian. exactly, like the Syrian custom. Charlie, this is really great. Anybody who would like to learn more about dating, of course, there's the Candidate Podcast and other episodes. But if you'd like to unlock greatness, there's Charlie's Unlock Greatness Podcast available wherever you get podcasts. Thank you so much, Charlie, for your time. This has been very, very informative. What an amazing conversation. Everybody listening, have a great day. Thank you to our gracious hosts and guests this evening. Please email us at yuconnects at yu.edu to suggest future dating and relationship building topics and guests for your enjoyment. Candidate at yuconnects.com.